Welcome to Inspired After Hours, your unique peek into the untold narratives of business leaders. We don't just talk business, we journey through their world, personal stories, and unique perspectives. Here we delve beyond corporate facades for intimate conversations that reveal the real life experiences of those who inspire us. Get ready to discover wisdom, extract life lessons, and fuel your own journey. Welcome to Inspired After Hours. If you have been to the town of Gilbert, you may recognize these restaurants, Joe's Real Barbecue, Joe's Farm Grill, Topo, Liberty Market, and numerous others. And you may even recognize Joe Johnston himself. Joe, welcome to the After Hours podcast. Thank you. You are the founder or co-founder in all of the restaurants we mentioned. But what a few people may know is that you were also the founder of Coffee Plantation. Yes. And the very first conversation I had with you was about that. But I think I should start with actually how we met. Yes. So we met at the social counter at Liberty Market. <laughs> we did. And I was sitting there. I was dressed very oh, smartly, as I recall. Very smartly. <laughs> Joe, you're always dressed And smartly. you were dressed like you had just gotten off of like a, a bicycle in like spandex and like a little bit sweaty. And yeah. were you having a martini too? You were having something that was, I like was you were day drinking. I was bit. having an espresso and a scone. Oh, I had ridden my road bike yes. to Liberty Market from my house to get an espresso and a scone with the side of the whipped cream. Yes. The yes, whole thing. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I remember you said, what are you wearing? And I go, I'm on my bike, Joe. <laughs> but my question yes. to you was, uh, it was around noon on a Monday. Yes. And you ordered your martini. Yes. And I said, Joe, what? Um, I have to ask you, you seem to be involved in a lot of businesses. Mm. How do you have the capacity to be sitting just casually Monday noon, having a martini like you don't have, you know, really any anything else to do today? And that launched into sure. our discussion. You said, well, it wasn't always that way. No, it is that way now, but it, it wasn't always that way. So can we start with coffee plantation? Sure. So, um, my job before Coffee Plantation was consulting engineer, which was um, two weeks on and two weeks of vacation every month. And it was a great job. I mean, talk about work-life balance. That was, like, awesome. But then my buddy and I, we decided for a variety of reasons to open Coffee Plantation on Mill Avenue, 6th and Mill. And uh, I had a – Starbucks only had, like, 80 stores back then. I mean, it, I'd never seen a Starbucks but I'd seen coffee houses in college and that sort of thing. And so we started um, Coffee Plantation on Mill Avenue, and um, it was like crazy busy from day one. And, um, you know, like I, like I said, I've been a consulting engineer, so I had like no employees. I just like did my thing and moved on, and it was all very creative, designing stuff and so on. So I really loved it. I remember the day that we got our first dollar, which I normally invoiced people, and then all of a sudden somebody gives me a dollar for a cup of coffee, and this is like, wow, this is great. And so um, it was like super busy and vibrant, and we had employees, and it was like great, and we loved the, we loved the, the product, coffee. And, and so, what year was this? Uh, this would be uh, 1989. Okay. Yeah, 1989. So um, – and so it started out profitable from day one, like crazy busy. And as you guys, well, you have businesses. So, you know, it's like gives you a lot of adrenaline and excitement. And, of course, when you start a business, there's like no time to sleep and no time for anything, you know, at least early on. And so my wife was involved in accounting and, and you know, everybody was involved with everything. 
So, and then people said, well, we'd like one in Scottsdale. So we did one in uh, Fashion Square in 1990. And then we did uh, Biltmore Fashion Park. We did another one in Fashion Square. So it was like growing like crazy. We had a roasting plant uh, not too far from here, just about a mile from the studio. And um, it just got bigger and bigger. We're doing wholesale coffee for AJ's, for restaurants. It's like, it was just like, we had 150 employees. And it was like crazy. And, um, you know, I'm an artistic person by nature. So when we got to 150 employees and all my time was spent on HR stuff and I had like zero bandwidth for what I was good at and all this other stuff, I started to hate the business. The more, the busier it got, the more miserable I became because I was just doing stuff I'm not suited for, even though it was very, you know, busy and profitable and growing like crazy, but it's just like, uh, you know, you just want to keep going down that road. This is the living example of Michael Gerber's e-myth where you said, I love coffee. I have this idea. I want to do the business. Yes. And you get into the business. And as the business grows, you get further and further and further away totally. from the thing that brought you into the business in the first place. It's true. Most things should stay hobbies. But in this case, it was a – because then you can enjoy them, right? Yeah. But um, in this case – uh, it was a need. It was definitely a need in the area, and it was super exciting. And it was it was definitely a blessing to the community. And so I really enjoyed the aspect that of how it um, improved people's lives, and it improves our, our our employees' lives and all of that. It's just like Marine personally. I was like, I had moved out of where I was good at what I was doing into some and that I enjoyed doing into something that was just like ugh. What did you do then? When, when Can you expand on that? You find yourself going to work every day. You're doing less and less of what you love to do. Was there a moment? Was there a turning point? Was there a conversation with Cindy where you said, I don't want to do this anymore? Well, I talked to Cindy. I talked to my business partner, Tim, who is still my business partner at uh, Joe's Farm Grill and at the barbecue. And I said, you know, look, we got to sell. We, we've got, we just have to, you know, uh, we've got to get out of this. This is like, it's getting bigger and bigger and it is something that has legs and should, it should have a life of its own, but it's just going to kill us if it's the life of, of the business is just going to kill us. And so, um, we set about, um, trying to sell the company. Was that easy? Um, well, the first company way undervalued it. And then the second company, valued it well. And we had several suitors. Um, and the final suitor that we sold to um, was a good match, um, except that they didn't exactly see eye to eye on on what was the most important things in life. So anyhow, but Which I, was a concern um, because of the employees or? Well, it's like this. Okay. So all businesses are the people business, right? And this particular firm uh, said, you know, we love people. People are important. And and they did believe that 100%. But there were like three categories of people. There were the um, customers. Like customers, super important, right? And then there's uh, the investors, you know, the stockholders because it's a public company. And, yeah, that's really important too. And then there's the other group, which are the, um, the employees, the ones that do all the work. And I think that they were not as – focused on the employees. They probably put too much emphasis on A and C when B, the employees that do the actual work. I mean, you know that with your company. I mean, they're the heart of the company and you'd rather lose a customer than lose one of them. 
And so I think just that priority, they were not bad people at all. It's just there was a a shift in priorities that was not conducive to growing the company in the way that we would want to do it. So, yeah. Is there anything else in the sales, in the process of selling a business that you would go back and tell yourself, hey, look out for this in the beginning for anybody who is wanting to sell their business, where you've gone through it? Is there anything you would say, hey, most important things to keep in mind are who your business broker is or anything like that that you'd want to share from that experience? You know, it's just be like super selective about who you sell to because it's just like um, when you sell a home, as soon as you sell a home, it's somebody else's home. And if they decide they want to like remodel what you just remodeled yourself and they don't like your style, you have to be good with that. Because if a person gives you money to buy your comp- buy your company, it becomes their company, then they have the right to run the company the way they want to run the company. And so you just need to make sure that you're psychologically set for that. And it, and like I said, we sold to very good people. It's just that it was a little different how we think of the different categories of people within the business. And so that was that. People ask me, are you sad that you sold I'm sad the coffee plantation is no more. But on the other hand, there wouldn't be probably a Liberty Market, a Joe's Farm Grill, a Joe's Real Barbecue. There wouldn't be – I, our lives would be way different. So sad, so yes, and sad, no. I mean, you only have one path in life. I mean, you can't say, well, I'm going to keep the coffee plantation and I'm also going to do these things. It's just like – unfortunately, it's like A or B or it's probably – it was C, D, E, or F I could have done also. but Yeah, it's like seasons, <clears throat> right? It is, you know. How, how you have to look at it. It is. That was a season of your life, which I'm sure you have very fond memories, but it sounds like you also have some painful sure. memories. <laughs> it's like, are you sad you're not in college? Yeah. Well, maybe a little bit, but I'm glad I'm not in college. So I don't know. We just have to move on, you know. We, have, we really just have to move on into the next season, as you say. Yeah, and enjoy the journey. And it sounds like... I mean, I think people on the outside looking in, I do at least, think you have a fun life. You know, your your journey is very, it seems very adventurous almost because of all of the different aspects of the different businesses and what you've been able to build in Gilbert with your partners and with the people who work at all of the restaurants. So what was the transition from, because I think I remember you saying you took a little time off to kind of mm-hmm. figure out what you wanted to do. So sure. tell us about that. Sure. So, um, so I took a one-year sabbatical, and that was the best thing to do, because there was so much noise in my mind from doing all this stuff. Because we went to work for the new company for two years, and we went from what four units to twenty units in two years. So in Texas and Orange County and oh, wow. Arizona, all over the place. So, and that was a super good learning experience because they did a lot of things really well. That we were like, wait, you actually have to like take inventory, and wait, you you really have should <laughs> you should have like a weekly like recap of sales and stuff. So they taught us a lot of like disciplines that we just like we didn't know that. And Can I just say I love that you mentioned that because a lot of business owners out there are like nervous to move forward because yeah. they don't have it all figured out. So they're like, I can't move forward. But you really just have to like build the plane as you fly it, right? Totally. And that's just, that is the journey of... Totally. Yeah, yeah you got to be, yeah, you've got to be like not freaked out to fly the plane while you're putting it together. But which is... <laughs> Says which, the engineer. Well, which, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in any event, we worked for the company for a couple of years, then took the one year sabbatical. 
And, um, you know, so once all the noise was away, I would go to the Tempe Public Library, sit down, uh, pray about things, think about things, write stuff down, um, and did that for, like, a long time just to, like, you know, get, like, my head, like, cleared out. And so to start thinking about stuff, and our pastor, Tom Schrader, from, it was uh, East Valley Bible Church at the time, um, he said, Joe, there's this ministry that's starting up, and it's, like, about how life is ministry and this and that. And so I want you to go investigate that. And so I went to Life Purpose Ministries, and they um, were talking about how, you know, people are gifted to do certain things. And so um, learned a lot about that. Actually ended up on the board of directors for it. And the teaching was basically like, look, you're gifted to do in a certain way to do things. And and I found out like my gifting was pretty much in the idea of vision, which sounds, it sounds like pretentious and it's really like a dreamer doer, whatever you want to call it. But it, the idea is like you have ideas and then you kind of put them, put together the team to make it happen. And it's, uh, so that's what I do. And it's- Can I comment <clears throat> on that now? Yeah, go ahead. Because- that is so cool. Yeah. Because you and I'm so glad you brought that up because yeah. you're a testimony and a testament mm-hmm. to learning what you're gifted at, what you're naturally built to do. Yes. And actually following that. Yes. And doing it. Like the fruit of it, hello, yes. is like definitely evidenced in your life. And I know I think you said egotistical. I don't think so at all. And I think actually people thinking to embrace what they're gifted at might feel egotistical. And if they feel that way, it might hold them back from actually living that out and embracing it and telling the world, this is what I'm good at. And when you tell the world what you're good at, and then you have like wonderful friends who come in your life and tell you that you're a visionary, like Amber explained to me. And I tell them that story. I felt the same way. I I knew that I was really good at that kind of a thing. And um, Amber had asked me a series of questions to see, she wanted to come into the business and, um, consult and kind of help me grow it so it could be profitable. And so she started with this series of questions, which is our client interview, which we put you through for sure, Topo. Totally. And she asked <clears> me <throat> all these questions. And as I'm answering them, I'm just like, my spine is straightening. I'm feeling, yes, I am good at this. Yes. And this is what I like to do. And, you know, she asked me very specific questions that made me realize, oh, I should be proud of being built this way. Sure. And, and it's actually, um, a detriment to not live it out, to not totally. put it into play in my life and in, and especially in the business and think about how many people you've blessed. And I know you don't like, you know, to have the spotlight mm-hmm. on you or, but you really have in like from the community to, you know, people coming mm-hmm. into the restaurants, to your business partners, to your employees, to other people who have visions, who Certainly. can look at you and say, I can do that too. So you living out your gift has blessed so many people, you know, and that's a really beautiful thing. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Well, and also there's a the concept that, you know, that God gives us gifts mm-hmm. and like, okay, who, like, if you have a gift, you're going to like it, right? I mean, God doesn't give you a, like something you're going to hate. Yeah. Like, oh, I hate being a visionary. I just hate it, but I got to do it, but I got to <laughs> do it, you know? And we, we, um, in, in the ministry, they would have, um, there were, there were like certain groups of people that were commonly there that were like miserable. And some of them were like, uh, you know, pastors and missionaries and um, a lot of different people who thought that the best way you can serve God is by a pastor or a missionary. And so, but they hated it because that's not what they were gifted at. But they, their the heart was in the right place, but their, their thinking about how God works is it was a little off. And so um, anyhow, 
It's We all enjoy our gifts. I mean, you enjoy your gift, I hope. I do. And I think this, you finding your gift and honoring it is what we wanted to unpack because sure. I think there would be a lot of people, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who sold one business and had no life balance or not, not no life balance, but not the life balance that they wanted. And as business owners, we're not trying to build a bridge to nowhere. Mm-hmm. We're trying to build a bridge to a lifestyle that we want. Sure. And I think it would have been so easy for a lot of people to sell one business, not have the life balance and say, okay, and they end up getting into another business or businesses where you don't have that life balance. And it sounds like the linchpin of that moment was you saying, taking a step back, taking the time, Mm -hmm. taking that time and that space just to be and breathe and write and figure out what you want to do, explore it spiritually and find out, wait, what am I really good at? But when you were going through that process, did you have it in your foresight to say, I want to have better life balance? Was this a very intentional thing that came as a result of that year off before you said, hey, before I go into anything and Cindy, you and having conversation mm-hmm. saying, we're not going to go back into that. We're sure. going to go back into business, but we're not going that way. Was it that intentional or did it just sort of? It was pretty intentional because like, you know, our pastor, Pastor Schrader, said it's faith, family, and friends. That's the only three things. And so, uh, and business is a part of that because we work with our friends in business and and our customers are friends and and many of our customers are family and family works in our business and it, it's an outworking of our faith so it's a it's a it's it's it, one th- it's a unified thing and one of the things that was important that I learned was that um, we think about the idea of an entrepreneur which is that like the self-made person like they've got the whole package and you know you read about people and all these books and stuff and really nobody does and so the more you get your head around the freedom because uh, people think being independent is freedom and it isn't really it's more like interdependence is freedom i mean you know on your team i mean you depend on you know each somebody other. So, on each other oh, absolutely. but somebody that does a great job at tiktok and somebody yeah. that does a great job at influencing somebody that does yeah. a great job at copy and it's the administrator and all that stuff and so um for me that was a big deal to understand that you know real freedom is interdependence you know like you were saying your life is good but the thing is is that because um i can depend upon um other people in our organization to do their thing and they can depend upon me to do the thing that I'm good at, and I depend upon them, and that's great. And what we've seen in working with you is that you really honor each person's role, Mm -hmm. that you, from the beginning, in every decision, say, it has to be a yes Mm -hmm. with my partner. Even if it's a yes for me, Mm -hmm. it has to be a yes for my partner. It has to make sense to them. They have to have as much buy-in as I do, and so you've really honored that. So when you – so then – you took your year off. Yeah. You're having all these conversations. Yeah. You're walking the spiritual walk. You're finding yes. all the things that you want to do. What was the first business? What was the next step? So I had kind of a list of things that I thought I wanted to do. And so I thought to myself, here's four things that I kind of like because they actually um, are things that are like the coffee business. And the thing I like about the coffee business is that you're focusing on one process that's hard to do at home, which would be 
roasting and even even espresso making and stuff is like that's hard to do properly at home and also something that everybody loves because in coffee there's like uh, blue collar workers and white and white collar workers and you know everybody loves coffee right so i had four things for I thought, well, because when we were building in Texas, I said, man, this barbecue stuff, this is a lot like the coffee business. And then I said to myself, pizza. Everybody loves pizza. And then uh, I wanted to do a restaurant on our farm that serves the produce of the farm. So that would be great because we've got the farm and that would be, you know, kind of good stewardship of the land. And then I also said, donuts. Everybody loves donuts. <laughs> so um, anyhow, so... I kind of wanted to do the the farm-based restaurant first, but it was so far out and there was not enough population there yet to do it um, because we'd already started working on the idea of Agritopia kind of right back then and that that would be a part of it. But, um, but the barbecue building, I was driving down the street one day in downtown Gilbert and I'd seen that building like a thousand times because we used to when we were on the farm, you know, every summer we'd do coffee break at this place right up the street from there. So I'd seen it so many times. But then when I saw it, I was like, this is a barbecue building. This is how they look in Texas. And so I went <laughs> and I knocked on the door and I said to the guy, it was a church, I said to the pastor, do you be interested in us buying your building? He said, yeah, because this is a horrible building <laughs> for, for a, a church. church. <laughs> so, yeah. That's fantastic. And so it started with Joe's Barbecue. Mm -hmm. And then you have to tell, I think one of the best examples of your, the way that your brain works from a visionary standpoint yeah. is telling the story of Topo oh. and oh. The, the, the great unveil to the oh, town yeah, of yeah, Gilbert. Yeah. But, yes. but yeah, and all of the, you know, the <clears throat> black box and oh, yeah. it's such, it's, that is, I think that is your brain in an entire story, just the way <laughs> well, it's, you think. Well, it's a funny one. It's a good one. So a little controversial, maybe to some people. But yeah, I, I love it. You know, hey, if you More, don't get less your brain. I think she means your personality. Yeah, yes, that's sure. true. If you don't get complaints, then you're not doing it well. You know, because everything that's like just like beige, nobody comments on. Yeah. But you know, if you do anything that stands out, th there's going to be lovers, people that love it and hate it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good test if you're doing it right. Um, so anyhow, um, you know, as you know, the downtown Gilbert started to blow up and started to get bigger and bigger and more busy. And and the 50-yard line kind of moved in terms of, like, businesses moved from where we're at, at uh, Gilbert Road and Page, up one block. And so the barbecue was still doing well, but the sales were a little soft. And I thought to myself, you know, we need to do a remodel anyhow. And what could we do to, like, pull people down? What's some additional product line we could do? And so I thought to myself, this is kind of like Route 66, and I'm a big Route 66 fan. And they had to pull, like, these people are driving down the road, off the road, to go visit their place. And so they did the craziest stuff, like dinosaurs, giant rabbits, uh, you know, arrows, crazy stuff, right? Um, and so I thought, man, I would like to do that. And I want to do something like that to so that people, when they look down the street, they see this weird thing and they say, I got to go look at it. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, so what should it be? What should it be? And I was thinking, well, you know, in Gilbert, it could be a horse, it could be a cow. But those, but no, the gopher is the animal that's still in Gilbert that's still causing trouble. 
for farmers <laughs> and gardeners. So I thought, Let, let's do the gopher. Let's do the gopher. And so um, just started designing around that. But I didn't want, I didn't want, I, the element of surprise was super important to me. So I had to, I had to somehow hide it from people. So I called it the Black Box Project. And I worked with some of our friends at the town of Gilbert to keep it under wraps so that it was only when the gopher sculpture got dropped on the roof that it become apparent. Because originally it just looked like a little box. And so, but once I got dropped on the top, it's like, wait, what? And it was done under the cover of darkness. uh, Covered midnight. (laughs) <laughs> had to close part of the street for it to happen, and um, and I got some, I got some calls and emails from people in high office saying, "How did this happen? You've ruined the town of Gilbert," and um, it was so funny. But um, but it, the fact is, it's considered public art, and so there's um, there's a lot of latitude for public art, and so um, yeah. And actually, everybody I think has come to love it or at least accept it and feel as though it's like. Uh, you know what? Okay. You it's know. growing on me. It's growing on me. <laughs> I, I, you know, I wouldn't have chosen a gopher. I would have chosen a rabbit. I would have chosen, you know, something else, an earthworm. But I, I, I would have chosen something else. But I, And, of course, we also um, realized product-wise that, the, um, that there's no fast food down there. And there's not going to be because the town of Gilbert wisely doesn't want, like, chain fast food like in the downtown and so but people still want food quickly and they want um food that's like a really good value and they want to be able to walk around with it so that's why we went with the burrito the elote and then also the soft serve and then recently as you know we've rolled out some beverages but yeah you know what we also found out is that william yes william william johnston the son william (laughs) who actually started out as a dishwasher at Farm Grill, went all the way up through the Farm Grill, learning every single cooking station, Incredible. and then moved over to Liberty Market and moved up through Liberty, ending up being the uh, kind of the general manager of Liberty, uh, who is a culinary, like, you know, genius, did all of the product development, along with a friend of ours who was with uh, Hillstone and uh, did all of that. Do you remember how many burritos he said he ate in one day at oh, one time? He, a I lot, can remember. Of, oh, <laughs> yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of burritos, a lot of burritos. And then didn't he say he didn't eat a burrito for like a year after that? Because he yeah, has so he many. He had a lot of burritos, the, the elote, they went through all that. And thankfully, they only brought us like the final, like condensed lineup to to taste. Yeah. But they did a they did a crazy good job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really, it's so really good. good. Oh, yeah. They it's did an awesome so good. Job. Our whole team. Was out there just tasting everything. You know, I'm pretty got, fond. It was so good. It's really, really good, and and they do a really nice job of using the um, the barbecued meats, and then also um, the you know making the sauce in you know in house right in the little building and all that stuff. So they do an awesome job. And you know, and as you know, my you've met my partner Ted, who's GM for the the whole site. And, uh, and, he, and and now Instagram. Oh, and now, oh, he's like. <laughs> he's famous for the way he eats an ice cream oh, cone. Oh, he's insta. <laughs> the man is insta famous, insta famous, you know. So, and he wanted to stay behind the scenes. No, but uh-huh. I'm glad he didn't because he's uh, he's he's got a great personality yes. and uh, he's done a really good job. So, yeah, yeah. And he runs it, you know, really, really well. 
There's so much history in every time we talk to you and the last meeting we had with William and he showed us the photos and the mm. videos of the, the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Like the, the home kitchen where he's testing all, oh, of yeah. the, all of the combinations of things. So now, as where you are, just got back from vacation, yeah. do you get a lot of ideas when you take these longer trips and you sort of unplug? Do you come back with, you know, does your family and – and your business partners, do they brace for impact when you come back saying, Joe's coming back with ideas. Get ready. He's got his no- his red notebook always with him. Like it I is sitting my, here yeah, next see? to us on the table. Okay, yeah, see. Did you come back <laughs> with ideas? Or, or when you rest now, do you just rest and say, I'm excited to come back and get back in, into things? I've got ideas. We need to digest the epicenter first. You know, so like. Let's as- talk about that. Let's talk about the epicenter because that was also one of your. We've been working on that for like two decades, you know, basically the downtown part of Agritopia, which was our family farm. And so, you know, we've, well, you know, perseverance in business is like a big deal, you know, and so we've had to persevere for 20 years on it. And so it's finally, you know, Buck and Ryder's open now. And like, it's like, it's awesome. It's like great, you know, all these different places. And we just need to, there's a few more tenants that are still going to open. We just need to get it all like buttoned down, like perfect and all that stuff. So we just need to finish well on getting it like where it should be. So once we do that, and I told Willie, we need to, that he needs to take a working sabbatical since he's been doing a lot of the heavy lifting on the details of it. Uh, Take a working sabbatical. You know, even when I took a sabbatical, we still had kids and a family and stuff to, that we had to do. So it's not like, you know, I just went off into the wilderness and, you know, ate, you know, manna and, you know, <laughs> and, and lived in a tent. You know, we still had life, you know, we had life to do and, and responsibilities. So so I told him you should probably do that just to like, you know, unpack and relax and do a similar thing maybe. But um, after that, uh, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you see on travel and you all have traveled as well. To, to other places that um, could just be applied here. Because in travel, one of the nice things is you see that people do things in different ways. And some people in uh, in other countries, certain things are done better than they are in the States. And certain things are done better in the States or just done differently. And it's nice to come back and say, well, you know, how could we apply that to here? And so uh, like – Cindy and I went to Los Caracoles, which is a snail restaurant from 1845 in uh, in Barcelona. I just feel as though the public is not ready yet for snails. I mean, there's a lot of work on insects, people eating insects and stuff, but I just feel like the snail thing is probably still <laughs> a couple decades out. So I don't know. I mean, I, we taste a lot of stuff and we see a lot of stuff, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a whole new perspective it on is. some things. It yeah. is. It it's is. It's refreshing. And it's just like I said um, while we were outside chatting a little bit, like, you know, horchata is one of the new beverages of Topo, and that's made out of rice here. But in Valencia, Spain, where it was originated, it's made out of uh, tiger nuts, which is – there's no rice. It's just a tiger nut drink. And it's like, I never had a tiger nut. And so I'd, like, search that down and drink this 200-year-old recipe of stuff, and it was, like, really good, but just different, you know? So you just said with – epicenter. Mm-hmm. It was a, a multiple lessons in perseverance. Yeah. So when you finally summit the peak and you see what epicenter is now, 
what, when you look back on the toughest moments and you think, again, talking to people who are in their moment of perseverance, they are in their, it's in their front sight. They want to accomplish it. They know it's possible, Mm -hmm. but they are just continuing to be met with obstacles. What did you do in those moments? What did you and your family do? Sure. Right? You and William and Cindy and everybody. Yes. To get through those moments because <clears throat> if you had given up, then we wouldn't have the epicenter sure. and Buck and Ride wouldn't be there and the community wouldn't gather there. So what would you share about going through those moments with you and your family? Well, Cindy, of course, my wife is my, you know, you know, partner, my life partner for sure. And so um, towards the end before closing – there were all these asks, more asks, more asks, like more leveraging, more risk, more risk, more risk onto our plate. And it's like, um, it's like, ugh, this is not exactly what I signed up for, you know, for this sort of thing. She said, Joe, look, and Cindy, Cindy is like as sharp as they come. She said, Joe, look, you got to do it. It's only money. Just do it. And so I appreciate that she said that because it was like, I'm a low risk person. It seems odd, but until I get to the point where I see like how it is all coming together and what the risk factors are and how it all works, um, I won't pull the trigger. And so she said, Joe, look, it's only money. Just do it. We got to do it. And you've been working on this for like a decade and a half. Just do it. And so... I appreciate her telling me that because she's a very low risk person too, but she understands like it's part of family legacy. We just got to do it. And um, so that's what she said. And then, and then uh, after we broke ground three weeks into it, COVID hit. And then there was a lot of, um, you know, conversations about like, well, you know, from various organizations, like, well, you know, we want to, we're, we're concerned about this. What are you going to do? And, you know, thankfully, people stuck with us because um, everybody saw that there's going to be life after COVID. And uh, the people that could see that and could, like, sign on and do it, which were a lot of people, they did that. But there were a lot of difficult conversations. Yeah. Because that was a sure. weird time. Oh. You know? And we were leasing to, like, the worst possible, like, restaurants, bars, fitness studios, places. Because it's all about community and gathering. It's like, oh, this is like we only the only thing we didn't lease to were cruise ships, but that was about <laughs> the only thing that we didn't lease to that was like a troubled situation. Yeah. Oh wow. golly, was yeah. that really stressful? Uh, no. Just no. Not really. You just kind of knew. You just okay. It's like you know, waited out. It's like I we we've always believed in the project, and it wasn't super. It wasn't super stressful to be honest with you. It's just like. God's in control, and we're just going to do, I'll do the vision thing. Willie's doing, you know, his administration and 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 working all through all that, and Cindy's doing her thing, and we trust that other people are doing their things. Our partners are thankfully, like, very honorable people, and they stuck with it. They didn't just, like, bail and get all, like, ah, we're out of here. And so, um, yeah. It, it all worked out. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah, yeah. it worked out. It worked out. Well, I, I can't believe you're sitting here across from us. I'm just so we got him we're off so the farm. happy. Yeah, you got me off you the said farm, you which is rare. You don't go yeah. like further than ten miles. No, like well, away you know, from I'm a big liar <laughs> because uh, I don't do businesses beyond. Because oh. Cindy said the ten minute radius. Well, this was minutes. that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't because obviously because you took us on a tour 
in the golf cart around the whole property. Oh, and yeah. You're like, if I could just do a Vespa or a golf cart or walk, <laughs> yes. then I'd be happy. Well, the village. You're pretty far for this. The village thank life you. is pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. But yeah. so thank you so much. Like, thank you. I, I think your whole story is inspiring, as I'm sure you've been told many times. Thank you. But I know you just tell it because it's just it's just your life, you know? And I right. think that's that's in and of itself is inspiring to people to just, you know what? You need to find out where your gifts are, embrace them. Yes. And live them out, yes. you know? And Walk forward in your in be your on, destiny and join join a good team yes. that you can use your thing and interdependence. And every, interdependence. Everybody Absolutely. does their thing because my partners are like awesome. Yeah. In our whole brigade, our whole staff. Yeah, like, I love how you talk about that too because I I feel yeah. like our team has heard so many times how much I love them, I appreciate them, I'm grateful for them, how awesome they are. I'm like, oh, they're probably sick of hearing it. But that's where that comes from is yeah. that interdependence oh, of totally. we couldn't do this without I them. I can't do anything. I can have no ideas, way. but if you don't. I remember when you asked me about yeah. TikTok. You're like, why should we be on TikTok? I was like, well, I'm going to have you talk to Jeremiah because he'll yeah. tell you why you should be on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, thank well, you so thank much. Thank you very much. This appreciate was awesome. It. And cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Here, and here. my yes. my key takeaway is that have a life and have a business oh. <laughs> where you should be able to, you know, as a business owner, have a martini at noon on a Monday. If you can't, yes. you need to start working towards it. Yes. That's absolutely. a that's that's a good philosophy there. Yes, yes. And the key is interdependence. Yes. Absolutely. And don't make a habit of having martinis every day for lunch. Do no, not no. make it no, 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 no. glad you said but that. But only only occasionally. <laughs> Just have the ability to. Yeah, the ability. The ability. Yes. <laughs> you like could. That. You could. Yes. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. That's a wrap for today's journey on Inspired After Hours. We hope our conversations have offered you unique insights and ignited your own aspirations. Remember, every story we share is a beacon of wisdom meant to inspire your own path. Stay with us as we continue to delve into the lives of successful leaders. Subscribe to stay tuned and join us next time on Inspired After Hours. Until then, stay inspired.